bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, and my guest this hour is Bambi Holzer, uh, who is the author of a uh, relatively new book called Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Welcome to the show, Bambi. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's just start a little bit with your background and uh, what made you uh, want to write this book. Let's tell a little bit about what you do now. All right. I uh, own my own firm, Bam Hilder Financial Group, which is a subsidiary of Wedbush Financial, and I've been doing this for 25 years. I've written three other best-selling books as well, and in my practice, I have come across a lot of couples who either agree to disagree or just plain disagree <laughs> about money. And even in my own marriages, I write about in the book, there are some polar attitudes to money between my husband and myself, and I thought it was something that really needed to be out there to be discussed. So I guess let's start overall with the kind of problem. What What is the level of problem as far as discussions of uh, financial uh, issues between couples? Well, Jordan, the, the funny thing about money is that it's very taboo. People just don't talk about money. You don't talk about money with your friends. You certainly don't talk about money with your neighbors. And you don't talk about money, unfortunately, with your spouse. And the only time that money comes up is usually when something volatile happens or when there's an incident. And so what I try to encourage is open communication, certainly as early as possible. As I, as I tell people, you know, if you're serious enough to introduce your significant other to your parents or your family, it, it should be a discussion that you're having by then. And the reason is that a lot of people get into marriage not even understanding or knowing what their spouse or significant other's attitude towards money is or what kind of debt they're in from student loans or credit cards or whatnot. I have one client who got married to this wonderful man who just forgot to tell her that he had been in uh, IRS bankruptcy for over five years. He, 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 he owed back taxes to the IRS for the past five years, and it destroyed their marriage. And so you really need to have a, a very candid, open, and honest relationship with money with your spouse or significant other. Is part of the problem that both sides of the couple may have different levels of knowledge about money? One knows a lot and the other doesn't know much and they don't respect each other about that? That could be, but th that's changing a lot, obviously, as, as women are now in the workforce more so than they ever were in the past and are earning a paycheck and are learning what a 401k plan is and the mutual fund choices within that 401k plan. But a lot of it just has to do with your temperament. I mean, yes... Absolutely, there are couples where one may be more savvy in terms of finance than others, but I think it's even deeper rooted than that. It's, in the book, I have you take a little quiz to examine who you are around money, and this is one of the things that I think is important going into a discussion with your partner is knowing yourself and profiling yourself. Are you a risk taker? Are you a spender? Are you a spendthrift? Are you going to be able to sleep at night if you're submitting your funds to some kind of stock market collapse, or are you going to just, you know, absolutely be in a, a fit if you lose a penny, or, you know, would you prefer just being in money market earning 5%? And, and those kinds of issues are important to characterize for yourself and then to figure out how that relates to your spouse's money type and how they are with risk. Now, you do talk about uh, different money types. Let's just briefly go over uh, the different money types and uh, talk about, uh, you know, if you're one of these, uh, 
how you should be getting along with your spouse. Often I would assume the spouse or the person you're dating is a different money type. Is that right? People don't More pay. often than not, yeah. It's very rare to find two people that agree uh, with respect to money or maybe varying degrees. But, for example, um, there is this quiz that I'm talking about, and after scoring yourself, you may be anywhere from what I call a Ritz-Carlton to an econo-lodger. You know, for example... Um, when I go on vacation, I want to pan for myself and, you know, have a nice hotel with a concierge and a nice view. My husband couldn't care less if he was, uh, you know, looking at a parking lot next to the ice machine across from the elevator. He wouldn't care. But to me, that's something that I treat myself to. So when we first got married 17 years ago, that was a big issue for us. And we ended up, like I said before, agreeing to disagree. So when he goes on trips with his golf buddies, he stays in, you know, a, a less expensive hotel. And when we go together... I spend the money out of my own little uh, savings account to upgrade our hotel to a nicer room view and a room type. So there are all sorts of ways that you can solve the issue. The problem is if you don't know that there is an issue. So you need to really characterize who you are. Are you somebody who really is a panicking, worst-case scenario type where you're always thinking about the negative, oh, my God, I'm going to lose money if I put it into a mutual fund that's invested in stocks? Or are you somebody that doesn't even want to learn anything about money and what I characterize as an ostrich, just digging your head in the sand? And it's okay to be that way, but then you need to know that you're going to have to rely on somebody to uh, take care of your investment decisions for you, whether or not that's your spouse. Let's just take them one at a time. Uh, among your spending personalities, the first one you have, as you mentioned, the econo-lodgers. Right. Uh, they're frugal and self-sufficient, you say. Right. Um, so what are the reasons why people become econo-lodgers? Is it something that happened in their childhood? Uh, very, very often it is, and sometimes it's because of... Um, for, for the right reason. You may want to be saving for children's education. You may want to be saving for retirement. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being an econologer who says, I'd rather save the money now so I have it later. And again, there, there, there's nothing wrong with any of these types. What the issue is, is if you don't understand that type that you're married to or dating. So you need to understand that. But yes, often uh, uh, your childhood is going to shape who you are as it relates to money. And often, again, that's a taboo subject even between parent and child, but a child really gets it. If their friends are going to, you know, Hawaii every winter for vacation and you're going on a road trip to visit your aunts and uncles and staying in their houses, you know, you're going to figure that out as you start comparing with your friends as to where uh, their parents are spending their money. So it, it is something that may not be directly discussed, which is unfortunate, but that has, has been the case historically. But it is something that is almost instinctive to a child to figure out. Now, you say kind of lodgers have simple needs and uh, avoid any hint of ostentation. But Mitch Carlton's would be the opposite. Uh, you say they view money as a way to enjoy life now, spend big today, and let tomorrow take care of itself. Right, and being in Los Angeles as I am, it's funny because you can be driving next to somebody in a Mercedes or Rolls-Royce or, you know, Ferrari, and it could be rented. <laughs> uh -huh. Or, you know, that, that's their last dime that they spent the money on just for the, the appearance. And so I live in a town, I'm from Chicago originally, but I have lived in L.A. now for 25 years. And it's very funny because you don't really get to know how much money a person has just by their appearances. But appearances can be very important to different people in terms of their status. And so they may appear to be very wealthy, but, in fact, they may have very little saved, whereas you could be driving next to somebody in an old beat-up Volvo that has a million dollars in savings. So it's important not to have 
looks and appearances be the absolute uh, uh, discussion with your spouse or your significant other about how you actually feel about money or what your attitude towards money is. So is this very common that Econologers marry Rich Carlton's? I would seem like there'd be constant conflict if that happened. Well, there is constant conflict, but it's okay if you can figure that out. And, you know, my husband is an Econologist to be sure, and he grew up that way, but he grew up with parents that were depression babies. And so, you know, it's just a, a matter of figuring out where we're going to spend the money and who's going to pay for what. Yeah. Okay, the next uh, category you have, and again, I'm speaking, uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, speaking with uh, Bambi Holzer, whose uh, book is called Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Uh, the next area you talk about is risk tolerance, where the two types are the Texas Slims and the worst-case uh, scenarios. Right, and the Texas Slim is somebody who has a great time in Vegas and doesn't care about taking risk and really likes to gamble. And the worst-case scenario is somebody who is afraid to put their money in anything other than their mattress. And you really need to work that out with your spouse. I have many couples who completely disagree on this, and so one of the spouses will want to be very safe and invest in bonds and CDs, and another says, no, wait a second, that's not going to keep pace with inflation. I want to invest in the stock market and take the risk. So you need to be having that conversation with your spouse or significant other, and maybe you decide that in your 401k plan or your pension plan and work, if you have control over how that money gets invested, you each go your own separate way in that area, and maybe you come to the middle in your family trust or something that you're investing together as a couple. So is there something you often recommend is that people have separate uh, pools of money that they can uh, fit according to their money styles? I do recommend that if they have different money styles. I do that myself, and I mentioned this in the book. My husband likes to, you know, play craps in Vegas and golf and does things that I don't enjoy doing, and I like to go shopping and, you know, buy shoes and purses. And so for us to have to agree on how our money is spent is, is definitely a source of, of argument. So what we've decided to do is we each keep a savings account for, you know, whatever, a couple thousand dollars each, and then we don't have to get the approval from each other for how we spend that money. Certainly our household expenses and all of the other things that we share together are paid mutually out of our living trust account, but there are other things that we do separately, and we pay for those out of those accounts. Then the third area you have on different money personalities is uh, the decision-making uh, style, and there you have the data darlings, the drama queens or kings, and the ostriches. Maybe talk about those a little bit. Sure. The data darlings are people that are online all the time and learn everything there is to learn about the stock market or the bond market or whatever they're investing in and, you know, really, really get into the thrill, if you will, of investing on a regular basis. They're, you know, looking online all the time at their portfolios and whatnot. The drama kings or queens are emotional. You know, if their stock goes down, they're panicking and they sell, or if their stock goes up, they're euphoric, but they buy more. So they're basing their uh, investment decisions more on emotion than on fact. And the ostriches are neither. They just stick their head in the sand and don't really do anything. So do you often find that uh, there's a marriage between a data darling and a drama queen, or is there a mix between these different people? Yes, the answer is absolutely. And it's just like anything. You know how they say opposites, opposites attract. You'll find in, in uh, talking to, with your spouse or significant other that in their past or in their childhood or in their college years or whatever, they either had to really work hard for an allowance or to get through college and on student loans and whatnot, 
And so money is very important to them, and they don't want to ever risk having uh, that situation again where they're without a significant savings. There are other couples, of course, who feel the opposite, that they want to just, you know, joie de vie, live today, and, and worry about later, later. And so opposites do attract, and that same principle applies when it comes to your money. If you're counseling somebody before they get married, and you can see that they're clearly the opposite, you have a, a data darling versus an ostrich or something. Yeah. Uh, do you think that's a good idea for them to go get married, knowing in advance that they've got this major, uh, or is it going to be such a conflict that it could lead to divorce? Or some you know, if, if you talk about it, it's not going to lead to divorce, and that's really the point of this book, is if you really understand yourself and profile yourself and your spouse and significant other do the same, then you'll at least be able to manage with that personality yeah. difference. And it's not something you're going to ever change. So you need to know that going into it. The problem comes when... When you don't have that discussion, when you sweep that under the carpet and all of a sudden there's a crisis when it comes to money and one spouse is very upset by the way the other spouse wants to invest the money or gamble the money or whatever it is, but it's absolutely common for couples to be very different, but they have to have that discussion. Very good. We're going to go to break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest is Bambi Holzer, who's the author of Financial Bliss. A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. And we'll get back into this very fascinating topic right after this break. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent 
in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. Uh, my guest this hour is Bambi Holzer, uh, who is the author of a book called Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Welcome back to the show, Bambi. Thank you. Let's just, uh, before we get back into this, uh, tell people uh, how they can find the book, uh, both a, we have a website and a phone number, and, and what happens to the proceeds of this book. Sure. Um, the, the book, Financial Bliss, is available through most major, you know, Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, but I also have a website that you could contact, and that's BambiHolzer.com, and that's spelled B-A-M-B-I-H-O-L-Z, like zebra, E-R, and all the proceeds of the book go to charities. This particular book uh, proceeds go to Children's Hospital and Easter Seals. So I am a really big believer in giving back, and this is how I'm able to do that. And there's also a phone number as well? Of course. The toll-free number is 877-905-3100. 877-905-3100. Okay, let's talk about the uh, the financial first date, which you say is very important, getting things off to the right uh, start here. Yeah, you know, um, again, a lot of times couples don't even have enough spare time to sit down and have a discussion about what they're feeling about money. So what I suggest, even if you're married 30 years, is to have what I call a financial first date. And what that is, is a time that you've set aside where you're in a neutral place somewhere, without phones, without kids running around, without any interruption, and you have as an agenda a discussion about your money feelings and, and your, the, your past. Uh, with respect to money, how it was growing up, what did you uh, do for an allowance, or did you have, you know, a grandparent that was wealthy that paid for your uh, college education, et cetera, et cetera, where you stand in the current, where you stand in terms of your thinking about the future. And it's important that you have this date with a few ground rules, which I talk about in the book, which mm-hmm. is, um, as an example, one of them would be not being concerned about making a good impression. You, you really want this to be an honest, open discussion. This isn't trying to um, make your spouse or significant other feel good about themselves or feel good about you. It's really to be honest and open and willing to um, share and to dig deep and, you know, not have any barriers. Um, avoid things like, oh, um, that's how you feel about money? That's funny. I feel about that. I feel the same way. This is not to be uh, forced or, or insincere. This is to be absolutely truthful and honest, polite, respectful, etc., but really talking about truthful issues that you have. In other words, yes, I am in debt. I have maxed out on my credit cards, and I'm really terrible about that. I feel terrible about it, but I'm going to absolutely pay those back. I have a payment program, or, you know, I'm going to come into a lot of money when my grandparents pass away, and I have a plan for how I'm going to deal with that, things of that nature. And so the financial first date 
happens literally to set a time when the two of you can communicate about your feelings, your history with money, your future with money, and where you are today. And then I go on to say that you should have a State of the Union so that you continue to have this conversation on a predetermined date with a predetermined time so you're not catching your significant other on the fly when they've had a rough day at the office or they're paying bills or whatnot, but when it's absolutely set aside pre in advance and that's what the that, that's what the whole point of having this conversation is to have an open forum of discussion. If you are in fact having a first date with somebody, uh, it seems like it would be kind of hard to tell them, you know, you're in debt and you haven't paid your bills and all these kind of things. Yeah. It's not going to make a great impression on somebody yeah, you're trying it, to impress. It's hard, yeah. but it's something that needs to get out there in the open as soon as possible or as soon as you're serious with one another because that certainly is not something you want to find out after you're married because that's deceptive and you just want to get an open, honest, clean slate. It's like talking about your sex life with somebody. Yeah, I've had sex with, you know, five other guys before, but you need to get that out there because you don't want that coming back to bite you after a marriage because if it is going to be that big of an issue that the significant other is going to not want to move forward in the relationship, it's better to get that out there before the ceremony. You said it's also important to compromise uh, when you voice an opinion. Do you find that often happens, or is that difficult for people it's to very do? very difficult. Compromise is very difficult in general, and it's even more difficult around money. But it has to happen if you have two opposite personalities with regard to money. So compromise is, is definitely something that needs to be in this equation if you want this relationship to work. And you said there's also no winners or losers. Well, that's important, too. You can agree to disagree, and as long as you work out a program that's going to be acceptable for both of you to live with, that's really making you both winners. And you also said not to lay blame. I mean, if somebody's not paying their bills or defaulted on their student loans or something, it's kind of hard not to blame them, I guess. It's hard not to blame them, but, but be good-spirited about this and sportsmanlike and try to either come up with a solution or a payment plan or have a healthy discussion about how this problem can be solved as opposed to pointing fingers and saying, I can't believe what an idiot you are for having it gotten <laughs> to this point. Okay. So once we've got our financial first date behind, and we've, should you write something down based on all this as well? or, or that's not It doesn't idea. have to be. It depends on the types of, of personalities that you are. I don't think it needs to be written down to the extent that it's like a homework assignment or something that needs to be brought out and displayed in the future and, you know, in an argumentative moment. Oh, you said you were going to do this. Look here, it's on paper. I think the most important point in, in this conversation is to just be genuine with one another and to agree to set some kind of open communication um, wavelength for you two to have that discussion whenever it's necessary and I don't know that it needs to be written down but for those that would prefer writing down there's certainly no harm to that but like I say don't avoid that trap of bringing it out in an argumentative moment and throwing it in somebody's face this should be very neutral and very respectful do you think in general that prenups are a good idea? I do. I absolutely do. I recommend them very highly, especially if there's a situation where you're coming into a marriage with completely different financial background or if it's a second or third marriage and there are children involved. I think it's very important to have a prenup. And it can be, you know, torn up later if you decide it's not necessary anymore, but for those first couple of years, I think it's important to have that in place. And what have you seen uh, where people did not have a prenup? And uh, disaster. Give us an example of <laughs> that. Absolutely complete disaster. I have a couple of horror stories that I could share with you, but the, the, the reality is, as was 
so often in the media with things like John Lennon and, you know, people that had a lot of money and didn't have a prenup and then it gets very nasty. The people that aren't necessarily entertainment clients of mine that are just regular folk have this aversion to setting up a prenup because it's so unromantic and it's saying from the beginning that you're, that you're setting yourself up for divorce or separation, but it makes it so much easier because if you don't have that set up, especially in different states where they are not community property states as is California where it's pretty much bottom line 50-50, you bring up such an open can of worms when you don't have that in place. And a lot of times because once you're married, the spouse can argue that that money that the productive money that was earned by one spouse or the other was as a result of the other spouse's support and, uh, you know, just presence in the relationship, whether or not it has anything to do with reality, is virtually impossible to prove. So it's really important that you have that written out for you in the beginning, especially when it's a second marriage and there are children involved. What are some of the key points that people should have in a prenup, in, in that situation, a second marriage, or there's bringing kids to the relationship? Very important. Who's going to be the executor? Who's going to be the trustee? Um, you know, what, what's going to happen in terms of uh, a premature death? Because if you have a family and the kids are going to be expecting to come into that money, but the spouse doesn't want to have to sell their house or whatnot, you know, how is that going to work? So it's important to lay out who gets what, when, and if there is not a death and it's a separation divorce, what is that spouse entitled to in terms of child support? What is there? What are they entitled to in terms of just you know who's going to keep the house? That kind of a thing. It's really important to spell out everything that you can think of. And any attorney that specializes in this will walk you through that, and it's worth every penny. Is this something you help people with as well as prenups? Yes, absolutely. I'm not an attorney, but I have a um, master's degree in estate planning, and I have attorneys that I work with, and I really walk them through this on a regular basis because it's a very vital piece of financial planning. Very good. Okay, in the book Financial Bliss, you also have uh, some tips for unmarried couples kind of going through this whole process. Uh, you start off by saying to uh, measure individual net worth and joint worth separately. Why would you want to do that separately? Well, because if you break up, who is going to be able to afford the house that you buy or the condo that you're renting or whatever? You need to understand who is responsible for what from the beginning and entertainment costs and things like, you know, okay, if we go out to a fancy place for dinner, who's paying for that? Is it going to be the person who's earning the most or is it the person that is more generous? I mean, you, you need to have these things spelled out so that there isn't uh, anger or feelings being hurt when one of the other is, is cheaper than the other. No, that must be hard to do after several years, though, when everything is all merged together, if they haven't kept things separate. Well, it's, it's hard to do, but it's important to try to figure it out in terms of, okay, um, I came into this marriage with a house, and that was valued at $500,000, and you came to this marriage with your profit-sharing plan, which was you know $30,000 or whatever, and just have a sense of what you came to the marriage with, and, and that's something that should be documented as early as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you say, uh, in putting together this kind of unmarried couple's uh, uh, plan is to plan for the worst. What, what do you mean yeah, by that? Yeah, you really do need to have insurance issues discussed, especially for same-sex marriages you need to have, or relationship, I should say. You need to have a, a will and a trust because the families may not recognize the significant partner as worthy of being uh, you know, the, the recipient of funds. I've seen that very often happen in my practice where there was a significant other, but the family felt because it wasn't a quote-unquote married couple because they were some sex that uh, they weren't entitled to that inheritance. And so you really need to think 
through the worst. You need to have medical insurance. You need to have life insurance. You need to have all of that spelled out for you. I was actually just featured in a Red Book, um, in the July Red Book um, magazine, and in that we were doing a financial makeover for a couple who had just bought a house and just had a baby, and he lost his job and didn't have insurance and was in an accident. So they didn't have enough money reserved for a rainy day, which you need to have. You need to have a what-if discussion about, you know, how much should you have in savings if one of you should lose your job, if you're going to be getting married and having children, are both people going to be working, things like that. Yeah, very important because a lot of people don't think anything will ever happen to them, and when right. it does, they're, they're up the creek indeed. All right, well, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this, again, is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Bambi Holzer who's the author of Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. We'll be back after this. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be success over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly reap what you sow with alana daily broadcast each thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel reap what you sow learn the rules of the game then play better than anyone else Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent and both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Hi, my name is Joanne and I have mannequinism. Well, I did have it, but I'm not a mannequin anymore. Doctors said over 75% of my body turned into plastic. They said it's because I wasn't active in my community, because I didn't vote or volunteer or I don't know. All I wanted to do was cry, but I couldn't because I had plastic eyes. Protect yourself from mannequinism. Log on to fightmannequinism.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 
The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bambi Holzer, uh, who is the author of Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Welcome back, Bambi. Thank you. Good to be here. Okay, we're talking about some tips for unmarried couples, um, and you say that it's important to have durable powers of attorney for health care and financial management. Maybe explain what that is to people and why is it so important. Well, it's important because it, especially if you're not married and you want the significant other to have power to take care of things if you should be in a car accident or, you know, God forbid, there's so many things that could happen, that you have that in writing someplace so that other family members and siblings don't step in and usurp that power. I guess this happened with the Terry Shivos case where the husband was battling the parents and it went on for 15 years and... Totally got out of control, I guess. Absolutely. It's really common, and you know that obviously got a lot of media attention. But, you know, I mean, things like that happen all the time, and you just don't expect it. The only good thing that came after September 11th was that a lot of my clients that had been putting off doing wills and trusts realized how unfortunately vulnerable we are and started doing some estate planning. But, I mean, if, if you're old enough to have a driver's license, you're old enough to be thinking about putting your financial orders and uh, your financial um uh, future in order, and that includes having your significant other have some kind of power in writing because if you're not married, then we'll have nothing. And if it's not in writing, it doesn't matter either, right? Exactly. It can be. I, I have a, a client who, who passed away of a heart attack very prematurely, and he was in a relationship with another guy who claimed that his partner had told him he could have the house and the artwork and all that, but there was nothing in writing at all except something, believe it or not, on a cocktail napkin mm-hmm. that his siblings said weren't in the sibling in the, the scene's um, handwriting, and they had to go to court, and it was just a nightmare. And I mean, it saves so much trouble from for from all levels and everybody involved to just have that carefully delineated before anything happens. And then you say drafting a legal will. This is on top of the uh, yes. healthcare powers of attorney. Absolutely. A lot of people don't have wills these days, right? Which I can't even understand. I mean, it costs very little to set up a will, and you would pay every penny that you paid an attorney is worth its weight in gold when it comes to setting up a will and a trust. It's just, I mean, God forbid something happens. My husband's first wife died at the age of 42, very suddenly, even aneurysm, and you know, when that happens, and you have the emotional burden, he had three children that he was raising and whatnot, and you don't have a plan, it just compounds the pain. So if you have it set up, at least that's one thing you don't need to be worrying about. And I really consider that to be a vital, vital, vital aspect, just as it is to get a medical exam or, you know, a colonoscopy after age 50 or whatever. You need to get your trusts and will in order. It's just really important, and it will save the family so much angst down the road and argument, too. 
Then you also talk about uh, the process before buying a home, uh, about how that should be done. Again, if you have a couple where they have different views towards money, how, how should they go about uh, buying a home? Well, the, the reality is that you need to have enough money saved that you can afford the home. As you and I were talking during the break, so many people overextended themselves uh, over the last few years and were encouraged to do so by the lending institutions. It's very important that you have enough money saved up so that if one of the couples is out of work or for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're going to want to try to have a baby and, and one of them is not going to be going back to work, whatnot, that you have enough money so you don't uh, have to lose the house in a foreclosure situation. And it's very important that you title the house correctly as well. If, for example, it's a second marriage and the bulk of the money is coming from one of the spouses that uh, was a result of you know, a previous marriage or whatnot, it's important to have that discussion. Does this go in both names or does it just go in one? And, you know, who's going to pay the mortgage? You just need to have all these discussions before the reality sets in of, okay, now, we, now we're in this home. Now we're splitting up whose house is it. Yeah, indeed. Now you also said beware of down payment gifts uh, when buying a house. What's the problem with that? Well, because it depends on who the down payment is coming from as to whether or not it's taxed. Uh, does that mean then if, like, one of the spouse's parents are paying the down payment, does that mean that that spouse has rights to it more so than the other spouse if there's a divorce? You know, you really need to have a clean, clear understanding of whose house this is and what property is titled, how the property is titled. Is that as far as taking down payments or money from parents as well? Because often it's hard for people to put the money together to buy a house without help from their parents. Yeah, and that's fine. But then you have to have an agreement, again, as to whether or not you're paying that money back. Is it a loan or is it a gift? And if it's a gift, then, um, you know, does that mean that one of the spouses, the one whose parents gave you that gift, has more rights than the other spouse? Or if it's going to be a loan, who's going to make that loan payment? Is it going to be done separately by the person whose parents gave you the loan, or is it going to be done as a couple from both uh, spouses? So, I mean, you really need to have this very clearly delineated before you own property. And then you talk about adopting your partner's children. Um, that could be quite a Tricky legally, I guess. That is tricky legally, and you know, you need to go through that with an attorney as well, because if the children are under 18 and you want to adopt them, then they become legally yours, and then if there's a divorce, you know, it's going to be pretty nasty, because even if you get remarried, they are legally your children. So you need to think that all the way through in terms of not only the uh, emotional uh, aspect of that, but also the financial aspect as well. They are your children. You need to be providing for them. Yes. Well, speaking of children, let's talk about uh, what couples should be planning for when they do have kids. You know, this is one of my favorite topics, actually, and I'll tell you why. The, the, the reality is that everybody wants to have children because they're cute and they're sweet and they're cuddly and they're wonderful, and they don't really think through the expense of raising children. And I'm not discouraging your listeners from having children, but they need to think this through practically. And in the book, I, I quote what different... Uh, the cost of child raising, not even including private education or college. And on average, it costs somewhere between, depending on where you live and uh, what part of the country you're living and working in, it's going to be as much as $270,000 per child to raise them, not including education. Up and to age 17, you're saying? Yes. And, yeah. and that's a huge amount of money to spend, especially if you're not earning that. So where is that money going to come from? Well, especially compounding that problem is the fact that most 
spouses like to spend a few years without working after they have a child to raise that child before they go into some kind of uh, educational program. And then if there's daycare costs and medical costs and all that, that's going to add up. And if you're down to one spouse working, that's extremely expensive. So you need to be sure you have enough money saved up before you start having the children. And the other issue is that if you're spending the money on the children, you're not able to spend that money on your own retirement. So you're really at risk for having too many children and not planning for it financially if you don't think it through and have money saved. In fact, does that happen that people rob their retirements to pay for their kids? Absolutely, every expenses? single day. And they're not able to put money into their 401k plan because they're paying for private school or for college. And, I mean, it's, it's really a huge epidemic out there. But you have to think about that before you have the child. You also talk about the no hand-me-down factor. How does that work into what sh people should expect to spend for their kids? Well, it, it, what I'm talking about is you have to be realistic about the second, third, or fourth child if it's not the same uh, sex as the first child. Obviously, you're not going to be able to hand down their clothes or, you know, any of those things, maybe toys, but that's about it. And you obviously have to feed multiple mouths, you're not going to be able to hand me down the food, right. but you really need to think that through. So it's not like if you're having multiple children, you're saving a whole lot of money because you just aren't. You're going to have to pay for food and clothing and education and all of those costs for the second, third, fourth child as well. When you're uh, dating somebody in the first place, uh, is this a discussion you should have about uh, you know the, the cost of raising kids and how many kids do we want to have kind of on a financial basis as well? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound very romantic, and I, I, I'm sure that some of your listeners will say that this is hogwash, but it is important to have those kinds of practical conversations. I actually just had that conversation this weekend with a colleague of mine who is uh, has been dating the same person for six years, and they've decided that uh, they want to start having a family, and they've decided to postpone getting married until they have enough money saved up for children and you know that's a practical approach and one might criticize me for saying that but it's a lot better and sensible to have that discussion than to find out later that one of you wants five kids and the other doesn't want kids at all or that you can't afford to have kids when both of you say you want to have them but you haven't saved up for them and that probably happens all the time all the time yeah, and so what are the consequences of that? If you, you well, it brings a great deal of strain on the marriage. Clearly, I mean, in many cases, a couple has to sell their house and move into a smaller home, or worse yet, move into some of the parents' homes. And you know, you're, you're asking for favors from grandma and grandpa, and you know, anybody else who you can get your hands on to give you some some money for your kids. And it's just it's nasty, and it causes a lot of stress in the marriage, especially if for whatever reason one of the uh, spouses is laid off, or like I said, one of them wants to stay home and raise the kids, so you're now down to 50% of the income you were earning before, and it just causes a great deal of pressure and strain on the marriage. It's a lot better to have that conversation in advance when you're dating, start saving money for that event, and you know, have an account set up for that purpose, the, the baby account, if you will, so that you have enough money to pay for the first couple of years of that child's birth. You have a section in the book, uh, Financial Bliss, about uh, unmarried uh, with children. Uh, what are some of the specific things that uh, people should look for in that situation? Well, that's a big issue, especially in Los Angeles. But that's a big issue because you have to have a, uh, an understanding of what your responsibilities are for your 
significant other's children. I have commonly a conversation with that where a couple breaks up and the non-married, uh, the non-married uh, partner feels very close with the children, but there was never any legal arrangement there, and so they don't get visitation rights, or they're basically just cut off from seeing these kids that they may have been living with for the last couple of years, and it's very difficult. You need to have that conversation, and if there is going to be some kind of involvement, financially or not, that needs to be spelled out in advance. And you also talked a little bit about adoption options. What are some of the things people should look for there? Well, again, it's very important that if you're going to adopt, you adopt for the right reasons and that it's not only just a one-time, oh, I love you so much, little junior, but that this is an agreement for the rest of your life, that this child is going to be yours. And so if uh, even if you got divorced, that child is still yours. And even if you get married to somebody else, that child is still yours. And so you're going to be financially and emotionally responsible for that child. So it's important that you think through those issues with an attorney or a, a family counselor or somebody like that to make sure that that's the right decision for you because it's not just to make that child feel loved. It is a lifetime commitment to that child that you're going to be financially and emotionally responsible for them. And so you're saying a lot of people take these things, these decisions too lightly. And don't exactly. Really realize the impact of these things. Exactly. And by the time the impact hits, it's too late. It's too late. Goes. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, I, we're coming up to a break here, so I think we'll, we'll do that, and then we're going to come back. Okay. Uh, again, this is Jordan Goodman, and my uh, guest this hour is Bambi Holzer, uh, who is the author of Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Uh, you can find out more about uh, the book and what Bambi does at BambiHolzer.com, uh, or her phone number is 877-905-3100. Uh, we'll be back to help you with your financial bliss after this. Line in Business, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve total wealth management. Listen to three-dimensional wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three-dimensional wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to three-dimensional wealth with Rory Diefendorf Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. 
Have you ever had a bad day and wish someone could come along and change it at the flip of a switch? Do you dream of living the life of wealth, great relationships, and the perfect job, but don't know where to start? Then tune into The Winner's Attitude with corporate trainers, motivators, authors, and hosts, Jeff and Val G. No difficult strategies or complicated keys. Jeff and Val present a powerful and effective technology to switch your operating system to create the most amazing life. It has been said that winners have simply formed the habit of doing amazing things. Winners know how to activate that switch, and so can you. The Winner's Attitude with Jeff and Val G. Broadcast each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Winner's Attitude. Switch me on. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Bambi Holzer, uh, who is the author of Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Uh, she's a financial planner in uh, Beverly Hills. Uh, welcome back for the final segment, Bambi. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about emergencies uh, and how people should be prepared uh, for emergencies and how sure. to think about these you know, things. Like it's this. an interesting phenomenon in this country, but a lot of people don't save enough for their retirement, as is well discussed, but they also don't have enough insurance and they don't have enough of the savings account if they were suddenly let go or out of a job for whatever reason. And there are a lot of problems with people that, for example, spend too much money on a house that they can't afford and then they have to come up with a mortgage payment on a monthly basis and don't have enough rainy day money. Uh, there are a lot of people that don't have enough medical insurance or, or life insurance and it's really important to protect yourself and in so doing you will be protecting your family and it's very, very important that that issue be addressed and unfortunately it just gets overlooked more often than it should. But with a couple, you've got certain priorities, I guess, and if you feel you need to spend your money on the daily you know, food and basic kinds of things, uh, insurance premiums seem like not as high a priority. So how do you kind of get well, over that? Well, yes, that's true. However, if you wait, it's going to be so much more expensive. The younger you are, the cheaper the impalas, the insurance premiums are going to be by a lot. I mean by a lot. And so it's important that you scrimp enough money together to make that commitment because it's going to pay off in spades over time. The other issue is that, obviously, you think you're invincible and healthy when you're young, but if you don't have medical insurance, as I, I mentioned the couple I did the uh, financial makeover for in Redbook Magazine, he was run over in a car accident and was in a hospital for a month without insurance. I mean, that's like $50,000 right there. And all he had to do is have a medical policy that would pay for that, and they wouldn't have had to sell their house to pay for the insurance co- I mean, to, tell, to pay for the hospitalization. So it's really important that you protect yourself, and I know that sounds really negative, and I'm not trying to be, but it's, it's vital to your financial well-being. People think it will never happen to them. Exactly, that, that you're invincible and, you know, and, uh, you know, you may not have a catastrophic disease, but you may get into a car accident or something like that, and you need to be protected. How about disability insurance? You talk about that a bit. I really believe in disability insurance as well. I think it's very important that if something, God forbid, happens to you and you're no longer able to work, that you get some monthly income coming to you, and it's not that expensive for the 
coverage that it would bring to you and the security if, God forbid, something like that should happen. And it does happen all the time. I have lots of clients who, you know, are in some kind of accident or something happens to their back and they can't stand or they've got carpal tunnel and they can't work on computers. And I mean, this stuff happens on a regular basis. This is not far-fetched. And you need to be protected and you need to be buying disability insurance for your family because if you're not earning income, somebody's going to have to be paying those bills. And you talk about homeowners insurance as well. What kind of disagreements are there about uh, homeowners insurance? Well, a lot of people, like you just said, think nothing's ever going to happen. There's not going to be a fire or an earthquake or anything like that, and so they don't have a, a break-in, and so they don't have insurance because, again, anytime you buy insurance, that's another cost. But it's worth itself in spades because there are things that happen, and to be able to replace what is lost or stolen or, you know, God forbid, destroyed in some kind of... Uh, situation is very well worth it. I mean, obviously, we can see what happened to Katrina, and we can see what happens with earthquakes in, in Los Angeles and San Francisco, and these things happen, and it's really important to be prepared. Uh, you talk about uh, being overinsured versus underinsured versus misinsured. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you don't have to overdo it. If your income is, uh, you know, $100,000, you don't need to get a disability policy that's going to pay you you know, $500,000 or a life insurance policy that's going to pay your spouse a million. You just need to be realistic as to how much insurance you need so that if, God forbid, there were a death that your spouse would be able to survive comfortably um, without your income and not ten times worth what that income was, but reality of, you know, what what exactly would be to replace whatever income he or she was receiving from your paycheck. Yeah, again, it's not a very romantic subject, but something that probably... It certainly isn't, here. but that's the whole point of this book, Jordan, is that a lot of this stuff may not seem romantic, but it really is in the end because it's going to make the relationship so much better because there won't be that friction regarding money, that unspoken uneasiness when it comes to paying the bills and when it comes to prioritizing where your money is going to be spent. Would you prefer having a expensive romantic getaway vacation or would you prefer to put that money in the bank and know that you're going to be able to live a nice long retirement these are the kinds of conversations that you have to have and you have to have them as soon as you can so that you avoid that discomfort of, of being in a relationship where money is an issue your last chapter is on how to invest uh, again if a couple comes to it from a very, very different point of view one of them a risk taker one of them very conservative uh, what, what kind of investments or what, what kind of strategy should people have for investing? Well, I think it depends a lot on your age. And, um, again, if you both have a 401K plan, maybe the riskier person being invested in the more aggressive stock funds that are offered and the less risky uh, investor put the money into something more conservative. But the key is you both have to be able to sleep at night. So that has to be discussed. As far as mutual money that you're investing, there are certainly a, a number of mutual funds that are out there that would perhaps take into effect your, into account your age, uh, maybe a life cycle fund or something like that where the money managers determine for you how much risk to be taking or um, go to a professional financial advisor that can counsel you guys to come to some kind of agreement. So maybe you have an assortment of some more aggressive and some less aggressive investments in your portfolio to uh, meet the needs of both members of this marriage. And you personally recommend money management accounts as opposed to mutual funds, is that right? No, I use mutual funds and money managers. It just depends on how much money uh, the clients have. What I don't do is individual stocks or bonds. I use 
money managers or mutual funds because I like the professional money managers handling a diversified portfolio on behalf of my clients as opposed to my doing the individual stock selection myself because my job is, is hand-holding with the client and, and helping them understand their financial situation, whereas the money managers and mutual fund managers are out there literally digging the uh, deep into the companies and looking at their financial sheets, meeting with the chief financial officers and kicking the tires. So I like to put my clients' monies in the hands of the professional money managers and the mutual fund managers. Very good. Well, as we come to a close, uh, again, if you are interested in uh, Bambi Holzer's book, it's called uh, Financial Bliss, A Couple's Guide to Merging Money Styles and Building a Rich Life Together. Her website is Bambi, with an I, Holzer.com. Uh, her phone number, 877-905-3100. Really enjoyed being with you, Bambi, and uh, I think hopefully we'll help couples uh, do much better than they have been doing. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll be back for next week's Money Answer Show. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.